0: Encourage you, if you've not already, pick up your copy of What Made the Golden Age Shine. It's my uh, 8,000 word commentary on what made the golden age of entertainment so special and so enjoyable. And it is available for the Kindle for 99 cents. So pick up your copy of What Made the Golden Age Shine. Also over at GreatDetectives.net this weekend, my review of Johnny Dollar the comic book. We take a look at uh, Moonstone uh, Comics' Johnny Dollar issue from a few years back, so be sure and read my review of The Brief Candle Matter. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Police Headquarters. It's William Spencer killed and racetrack on Police Headquarters.
1: Police Headquarters calling Detectives Tower 46, 46, Captain Frazier, call your station. Uh-huh. Pull in at the box here, Andy. Right,
2: Captain. Wonder what they want.
1: Don't know, but we'll find out. This is Captain Frazier. Hmm. All right, we're at 6th and Slauson now. We'll run right over. Call for Doc Brady and an ambulance. What's up, Captain? Don't know yet. They just discovered a body in a vacant lot over near the river on 16th Street. Step on it. Okay. See, you boys are keeping yourselves busy. Yeah, we found a case for you. Thought you'd better not move anything until we got here. Who is it? I don't know. We'll throw your light on him, Andy. Right. Hmm. I know this guy. When we were kids, we used to live next door to each other. I busted his nose once for cheating at Marbles, but he was a nice kid. Named Spencer. Ace Spencer. Gambler, huh? Yeah, he'd bet on anything. I used to tell him, Ace, we're gonna pick you up dead sometime. It'll either by, be by your own hand because you're broke or because you've cut corners on some guy and, well, who found him? I did. I was walking along the river road about four blocks from here when I heard a shot. I figured it was up this way. I guess it was about ten minutes before I found him. I saw he was shot in the chest, so I beat it to an all-night restaurant on the corner and called for you. I'm glad you did. Of course, the world won't miss A Spencer much, but he was a swell guy. Yeah. What do you know about him? Nothing, Captain. I'm just agreeing with you. Did you see or hear a car around after the shot? No, sir. His shirt and chest are powder burned. Looks like he let himself have it and pitched forward. Here's the rod, Captain. 32 automatic. Loaded for one. And here's the ejected shell. Did you go through his pockets? First thing. Had
2: uh, $5.60 in his pants. Not a dime in his wallet. There's a package of matches with the name Carrington Hotel stamped on them. Five bucks,
1: eh? Yeah. Last time I saw him, he was carrying ten grand or so. He must have taken an awful beating. Yeah. Will you go back on your beat, Evans?
2: Yes, sir.
1: glad to get rid of that guy. He's standing around saying, yeah, gives me the willies.
2: Yeah.
1: Let me see that gun.
2: Hmm.
1: His gun, all right. He wanted to get a license to carry it the last time I talked to him. I told him nothing to him. He laughed and said he wouldn't need it that the only one he'd ever use it on would be himself. You think he'd done that job himself, Captain? Yeah, Those all the earmarks of a homemade job. We might check up on the Carrington Hotel. It's a pretty rich place for a guy with only five bucks to be staying, but well, come on. Uh-huh. from police headquarters. Do you have a man registered here by the name of Spencer? William Spencer.
2: Just
1: a minute. Say, that guy didn't live here the way he was dressed. He must have picked those matches up. Well, it's the only thing we have to go on. There doesn't
2: seem to be anyone registered here by the name of
1: Spencer. Let me see your register a minute.
2: Certainly.
1: What are you looking for, Cap? Oh, I don't know. Just familiar names. Uh, hello. here's one. W.F. Collins. That's Bull Collins, another gambler, and here's Flash Douglas. Seems to be a hangout of gamblers. Yeah, but Ace Spencer ain't in their class. Oh, he isn't, eh? Listen, those guys couldn't hold a candle to Ace Spencer in his prime. Come on. Where now? Just a matter of routine. We're going to make the rounds of the cheaper hotels. I've got a hunch that Ace had a room at one of them. Uh...
2: gonna keep this up, Captain. Do you know we haven't stopped for lunch? Well, we'll try
1: this one and then call it a day. Hey, you. Yeah? Do you have a William Spencer living here?
2: Yeah, room nine, but he ain't in.
1: We know he isn't. He's on a slab in the county morgue. Give me the key to his room.
2: Uh, I ain't surprised none. He's been acting funny ever since the boss told him he'd have to pay his rent or get out. Was he much behind? Oh, about two months. You know, I couldn't savvy that guy. Never had a dime, and yet he was wearing a diamond sparkler on his finger that knocked you dead.
1: Yeah, I remember seeing it the last time I saw him alive. He always wore it for sentimental reasons. Bought it for a girl who died. Said no matter how tough he found the sledding, he'd never pawn it. Well, he either pawned it or had it lifted tonight. What do you mean? Well, I mean he wasn't wearing it when we found him. Maybe it's in his room. We'll look. Come on, Andy, down this hall.
2: Well, it's
1: not here. And here's the reason a pawn ticket for a diamond ring dated yesterday. Uh, where'd you find that? In his suitcase here. So Ace finally decided to pawn that ring, eh? You know, Andy, he must have had a reason for doing it. Why? What was the ring worth? Not a cent less than ten grand. And he was walking around penniless with a sparkler like that? He wouldn't have parted with it for a million, unless he had a certain use for the money. He was a swell guy. Sentimental, too. What are you getting at, Captain? There's something there, Andy. I'm not saying that A. Spencer didn't kill himself, but I'm saying that he must have had a reason for pawning that ring, and I'm going to find out what happened to the money.
2: Say, how about something to eat? First we go to the pawn shop, then we go down to talk to that stool pigeon... Then we come back here to Carrington Hotel. Uh, who are you going to see down here?
1: Keep your shirt on, Andy. If Ace bumped himself off, he must have had a reason. I'm going to find out what that reason was. We're looking for room 681. Uh, what did that stoolie mean when he said Ace was framed in a poker game? He was talking about last summer. Ace Spencer dropped 23,000 bucks in one game. And it was talked that he was framed. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Maybe if he was framed last summer, he was framed again tonight. And that's why he bumped himself off. Saul Levison said he gave him ten grand on the ring. Ace told him he'd get it back tomorrow. Now, here we are. Who lives here? Bull Collins. I got a hunch that maybe Ace came up here tonight for a game. Bull Collins is supposed to be the guy who broke him last summer. Maybe he's out. Oh, Bull. Remember me?
3: Well, come in, Captain. You're just
2: in time for a little drink. No, thanks. The guy?
1: You can skip the rope, too. Who's your friend?
2: Oh, uh, don't you know, Flash? Uh, This is Flash
1: Douglas, uh, Captain Fraser. How do you do? What can I do for you, Captain? Ace Spencer bumped himself off tonight. No. Yes. He did it because he lost heavily in a poker game earlier in the evening. We found a package of matches from this hotel, and I found your name on the register downstairs. Putting two and two together, I figured that maybe Ace was in a game with you and Douglas. It is a swell job of figuring, Captain. Ace was up here tonight. Lost ten grand. Said he was clean, but I doubt it. He was giving it to you straight. We found him with only five bucks on him. No. What if I'd have known that i time did Ace show up? 4.30 this afternoon. Whose cards did you use? What? Well, well, what do you mean by that? You know what I mean. Was the game on the level, Bull? You know it was. My games are always on the level. Anyway, Ace had me sent down to the cigar stand for two fresh decks. Oh, he did, did he? Well, it was his funeral. Come on, Andy. We won't be bothering these... these gentlemen any longer. Hello. Hello. Can we stop at the coffee shop for a bite to eat, Captain? Pretty soon, Andy. We have some important business over here at the cigar stand. Hey, buddy. Yes? What can I do for you? Plenty. We're officers. You were working at 4.30 yesterday afternoon, weren't you? Why, yes. Do you remember sending some cards up to room 681? I, uh, uh, yes. What are you getting so flustered about? I merely asked if you remember sending them up. Uh, Yes, yes, I I sent them up. Uh,
2: Two
3: decks.
1: I see. Where'd you get them?
3: Uh, Out of the showcase here. Why?
1: Are you sure you got them out of the showcase? Why, sure. How many decks you got left? I. I don't know. Count them. Uh, Yes, sir. Up here in plain sight. That's it. Bring them all up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What's your name, son? Uh, Bailey. Fred Bailey. Been working here long? Mm -hmm. No, sir. Well, how is it that the day clerk inventories the playing cards before you came on at ten decks, and you sent two decks to room 681, and you still got ten decks in the showcase? What kind of arithmetic is that? Why, I... I don't know. Listen, Bailey, you didn't know it at the time, but you got yourself mixed up in a pretty ticklish manner. Now, I'd advise you to come clean with it. You sent two packages of cards to 681 that didn't come from your stock, didn't you?
2: Didn't you? So, well, well, yes, yes, I sent them up. He said he'd give me $100, and I didn't know. Honest, I didn't. I...
1: Well, that's all we want to know. You stay here and take this fellow's statement, Andy. I'm going back upstairs. I don't know that there's anything I can do about it, but we'll see. Well, we didn't
2: expect you back, Captain. Come back there for the drink? No.
1: Well, sit down let's have a little talk. You can skip that, too. In fact, you can skip all the bologna. What do you mean? I mean that it'll be a long time before you do any more gambling in this town, Bo. In fact, I'm going to see what the chances are of getting you tossed in the can. Are you crazy? No, are you? Look here, Bo. It was Ace Spencer's own funeral when he came in here. I'm not grabbing about that. I know he had it coming to him someday. That's all okay. But I can't understand why a big shot like you would deliberately take Ace with a couple of stacked decks when you knew he was down and out and trying to make a comeback. You knew that you'd drive him to suicide. Maybe I've been wrong all my life about giving a guy a break when he's down, but I'll get that. You stay where you are. Hello? Yeah, this is me, Andy. You've been talking to who? Oh, the cigar clerk. What? What? He said that it Hey! Oh, oh, Yeah, oh. hey, You will pull a gun on me, will you? Aunt, I am. why, you broke my arm. Hello, Andy. Come on up right away. This tin horn tried to pull a rod on me. Right. Yeah, I'm okay. Well, that's one on me. I was working this thing out just backwards. It was Ace Spencer who bribed the cigar clerk to send those fixed cards to your room, but it was you, Bull, who found it out. And after Ace had taken every cent you had, you followed him to that vacant lot and killed him with his own gun. Hi, Fraser. You shouldn't have done that, Bull. Ace was a swell guy. <laughs> Waters. The sergeant finished stay off. I imagine you can find him at the racetrack with Sergeant Rochet. Good weapon.
2: Oh, it's another drink you owe me, Sarge. That night you picked didn't even make the back stretch.
3: Yeah, and that three-bitten skate you picked wouldn't bring two bits of the glue back, there. Well, he really won a race, didn't he? Come on, pay up, Sarge. Okay, wait till we get to I want to see the big race. Uh, the handicap isn't on until 7th. We'll have time to go to Eddie's and get back for then. Okay, Mike, either way. If we miss the big race, there'll be one son of Ireland who'll show up the police to police duty tomorrow with a bump on his head. And if I do, it'll be because I walked into our door, you big leather-necked Mick. Come on. Uh, hey, uh, is that guy over there trying to attract your attention? Where? Oh, that's Johnny Stone. Owns the Whitehead Stable. Mm-hmm. Whoever he is, he's busting his neck trying to get through the crowd to see you. Well, he's a pretty nice guy, Mike. Let's see what he wants. He's got a tip for you. Well, if he has, it's a square one. Johnny Stone is a square shooter. Hello, Johnny.
2: What's on your mind? Uh, can I talk to you for a minute, Sergeant? I don't know, Johnny. Anything important? It, uh, it's about the big race. I'd like to see you right away. Oh, all right.
3: Supposing we beat it over to your stable, Johnny. Oh, and this is Sergeant O'Shea.
2: Glad to know you. All right. Uh, let's step through here, Sergeant. Lead the way. What's on your mind? I'd rather not talk until we get out of this crowd. Oh, well, what's the matter? Well, something has me worried, Flynn. Worried to death, and I don't know what to do.
3: Something concerning the track?
2: Yeah. Here, I think the door's unlocked. Yeah. Come inside, O'Shea. Hi. All right, Johnny. got you up in the air? Spill it. Wait until I pull down the shade.
3: You act like somebody was out gunning for you. They
2: are. Well, that is, they will be if High Flight wins the handicap. What do you mean? I'm in a jam, Flynn. A bad one. My horse is set to go. She looks like a winner to me, and then these torpedo men come in with instructions that she's not to win. Who? Rick Randall and Tony Madero.
3: Oh, so you've got those two hot shots on your trail, huh?
2: Yes, and they mean business, Sergeant. I know them. They wouldn't hesitate to kill me if I crossed them up. Who Remember, Johnny,
3: every big shot has a streak of yellow down his back when you talk back to him.
2: Yeah, but you don't know these two fellows. They wouldn't do the jobs themselves. They'd hire someone from out of town to do it. Well, what are you going to do about it? I don't know. I've always run a square stable, and I don't like the idea of telling the jock to pull the horse. And then another thing. My horse is set to go. I bet every penny I could scrape up on this race, and I want to see my colors come through. Oh, then why don't you tell Randall and Madera to go lay an egg? Because, Because I'm afraid to, I guess. Now, listen, Johnny. Don't
3: let those guys bluff you. They'll crawl back into their shell if you tell them where to head in. Go on. You think your horse is set to deliver? Have the kid ride her for all she's worth. I'll back you up.
2: Will you, Flynn? Just until the race is over, then I'll hire someone to look after me. Sure we will. Won't we, Mike? Sure thing. I hate to come crawling this way, but I've got a wife and two fine kids. What I stand to win or lose? Wouldn't be worth the pain they'd suffer if anything happened to me.
3: Uh, nothing will happen to you, Johnny. We'll see to that. How about the jockey? Think they got to him?
2: I don't think so. I think he'd tell me right away. Anyway, he wouldn't dare pull her. I know that horse like a book. She's set for a win today, and nothing can stop her.
3: Good boy. You stay here with him, Mike, and I'll saunter her over and place a few bucks of Mrs. Flynn's grocery money on high flight to win. Sure, and there's a five spot for me. I guess I... Uh, uh, <coughs> who is it? I, uh, I don't know. Open the door, Mike, and I'll slip back behind this curtain. Oh, it's
2: you. Yeah, who was you expecting, sweetheart? Come on in, Tony. Well... Was... What do you want, Randall? You know what we want. How's your horse going to finish in the seven? Up in front. Yeah. And you know how you'll finish. Up in front of a funeral procession. Listen, Stone. If you, you l- listen to me, you
3: cheap tin horn gambler. That horse wins. And you're not going to stop him, Savvy. Oh, so you called in the bulls, did you, Johnny? No, he didn't call in the bulls. We happen to be friends of Johnny's, and we're not going to see him bluffed out of this race by a couple of yellowback racketeers. Chris and Mike. Say, listen, take your hand, Turk. You can't do this. Oh, I can, huh? Just turn around and face the wall before I take a pop at you. There. Now, uh, first of Mike if you mind a gap on either one of them, we'll call the wagon.
2: Now, run, Sarge. You're not getting away with this, you dumb cop. Oh, uh, no? Now, listen
3: to that. If you're smart, you'll clear out of here as fast as you came in. Both of you. We're staying with Johnny until after the race. And if anything happens to Johnny or the horse, we'll look you up. I'll get. Boy, did you hand that guy a mouthful. That's what he needed. Too bad I couldn't clap him in the jug. I'd arrested him, he'd beat the rats.
2: Oh. Hey, he started that's the big race. They're, they're calling to the post. Come on. Let's go out this way. I've got a box right close to the track.
3: Now you go with him, Mike. I've got the beat to the deadline on the mutuals if we put up any simoleons on the high flight. I'll meet you at the box. Uh... did you approach the bet? Did I, six and a half to one. Your horse better win, Johnny. If she
2: don't, I'll be as surprised as you are, Flynn. And it won't be because she was pulled. I sent word to Freddie to boot her home. Oh, tape Tate right in the night? Yes. Oh, but a
3: cinch to win. Those two mugs thought they could bluff you out of a race that's rightfully yours. I just saw him back in the box looking like somebody stepped on him. Ah, they're lowering the tape. What position is high five running in? Uh, three. She looks like a cinch. Oh, boy, oh, boy look at him go. There's your neck, Fruits the turn. Come on, High Flight. jockey has got her all wrapped up. She won't start letting her out until the back straight.
2: Yeah. He's letting out a wrap now. Yeah. High Flight is moving into the pit, please. Look at that jockey ride, will ya?
3: Better ride or it'll be no closer to the flims
2: next week. He's hitting his stride now. She'll be pulling up. Oh, yeah,
3: the she is. not seem to like Yeah, yeah, she's moved up to third. She's around in the turn and heading for the stretch. Come on, High Flight. Come on, High Flight. Yeah, yeah she's all unwrapped. back, Mike. Uh, come on, gal. Come on, high flight. Jesus, I can make you feel it, Hey! what's going on down there? What's the matter with that jockey? Heard. It's Freddy. He's off. Come on, Mike. Over the trail. Yeah. There's something fishy down there. That jockey didn't just fall off that horse. forward, The jockey was shot through the head with a steel jacketed bullet. That's uh, just what I thought. Where's Johnny Stone? I left him home. Got a couple of men watching the place. Good idea. They might have some crazy idea of trying to get Johnny. And I told Williams and Ryan to cover the house every minute. What do you want me down here for? To give me a hand. I sent two of the boys out to bring Randall and Madero into the station. And you think they did it? And I think they had it done. Yeah, but they were away. If either one of them has taken aim at the track with a rifle, there have been a hundred people saw them. Yeah, well, was it done? A fellow who shot him had to be fairly close to the track for accuracy. Somebody would have seen him. Yeah, that's just what's causing me all the worry. How could some guy kill a jockey in front of 20,000 people and yet nobody seen him do it? it? Looks like one with a book. Yeah. Well, maybe we can pound something out of Randall and Madero. I got a hunch, though, that those two birds will yell their heads off for a lawyer and shut up tighter than a clam. Yeah? Listen, Jacobson here with your men, Uh Oh, send them right in. Right. Handle and Madero are outside. I'm not going to waste any time with them. I'm coming straight to the point. Uh, you stick around and give me a hand. Okay. <laughs> Come in. Over here, you guys, in those two chairs there. Say, what's the hey, idea? Hey, I mean, now listen. The next thief out of be one of you, and I'll knock your teeth down your throat. Who'd you hire to put the finger on Johnny Stone's jockey?
2: But I'm not talking,
3: for so I see my lawyer. See? I tell you, Mike. And mm, then a couple of rats. You've
2: no right to hold us. I'll have to. No. That's the door,
3: Mike. There's to be something going on in here that wouldn't sound nice outside. Now, you rats, who did you hire for that job? as long as we can. Meantime, we'll hope that something will break.
1: Uh-huh.
3: Where are you going now? Down the street to the Bijou Theater. They're showing the first pictures that race. I think maybe that seeing it again might refresh my mind on a few things. It's a good idea. Right, you got everything all set, Mike? Yeah. All right, Captain. We're ready for those two guys we get them in here, we'll show you just what happened. Uh, You seem pretty sure of yourself. Yeah, we are. All right, Mike, bring them in. Come on in, you. Sit down over there. You take that chair, Randy. You sit over here, Madara. Say, what's all the baloney for? You haven't got a thing on us. I wouldn't be too sure of that. Yeah? Oh, Mr. District Attorney, come in. Just in time. Take that chair right over there to the captain.
2: Thanks.
3: Now, I'm going to show you, Mr. District Attorney, and you, Captain... Uh, these two rats got a Chicago thug to kill Johnny Stone's jockey, so high flight wouldn't win that race. Ah, uh, you're full of hop. Yeah? All right, turn the lights off, Mike. Okay. Now, start the picture machine, operator. Uh, you're now seeing the pictures of Freddie Tate's last ride. At the same time, we're showing only the final stretch of the race. Now, you see the horses flying down the track. You see a partial view of the crowd, and if you look real close in the lower right-hand corner, you'll see two men with a camera. Notice that one of the men has a black hood over the camera and over his head. Now, slow it down, operator.
2: Say, hey, you can't pull this. I won't shut stand. that guy up, Mike.
3: Mm-hmm. Now, watch that camera closely. There. You see that little puff of white smoke? Now, watch the man come out from under the hood and turn around and face the camera. There. Tell the machine there. Great. Scott. Spike Adams. Yeah. Mike and I raided his hotel room and found the trick camera. He had a rifle with a silencer on it, mounted right inside under the hood. Mike came in while we were searching the place. Reached for his rod, and Mike shot him to the stomach. He died about an hour ago. Before he died, he gave us a full statement saying that he was paid a thousand bucks for the job.
2: Thousand dollars? Who paid it?
3: These gentlemen right here, Randall and (laughs) Madero.
0: Welcome back. Um, it was somewhat interesting in the first story, and as a book I was reading recently pointed out, somewhat atypical for the area uh, era in terms of having the police sympathetic with a criminal. Though it's somewhat funny that they kept insisting that he was such a marvelous guy, and uh, pretty much there was no proof of that by anything we learned about his life, particularly the end. Yeah, he died as a result of trying to cheat $10,000 out of somebody at cards. Such a great guy. But uh, it was an interesting twist end, uh, particularly with the way they had been thinking of the solution. With that, we turn to some listener uh, comments and feedback, and we have this from James, who says, on Facebook, last night I was listening to you read comments when I heard that someone doesn't like the loud, irritating music you play at the start of every show. Well, I agree. Well, I appreciate your opinion. I'll definitely um, take that into consideration. Uh, another uh, listener comment. Uh, on a on a pretty interesting note, uh, I received an email from Travis, uh, who says, Hello, if you recall, I made a post on the wall a while back about listening to radio shows to better my reference level for improvisation. I thought I would... up Date you on how that's been going. A few nights ago, my team and I did a whole twenty-minute comedic, film noir-esque improvisation. In short, it brought the house down. All of my listening to the podcast really paid off, as a step as I stepped up to play the detective in the story, who I perhaps not so cleverly introduced as your true yours truly, Nikki Nickel. (laughs) My team and I are now exploring the possibility of taking a while to only improvise stories in this style and really master it. Thank you again for your wonderful podcast. I'm now getting my team to listen to it as well. Keep up. Keep it up. Well, thanks so much, Travis. And uh, it's definitely an interesting thing with uh, improvisation. If you watch or attend improv, there tends to be certain games that kinda everybody plays, things like uh Blind Line, uh, which if you you saw the show, Whose Line Is It? Anyway, um, you um, uh basically you write uh you get lines from the audience with all the players out of the room who are gonna participate in the sketch and uh then the uh, players have to work the lines into the sketch. And there are a bunch of standard games like that, but I really appreciate uh, when it comes to improv groups, those that work in their own special uh, games, their own little special things they do. Um, I saw, for example, the uh, Comedy Sports uh, World Championships back in 2008. Went to Portland to see those, and... Uh, they, uh, did, uh, a game called Randy Newman, which was very unique to, uh, the, uh, Provo Comedy Sports where they would actually have someone singing a song in the style of Randy Newman. Uh, thus the game. And, uh, it's always great uh, to have those special touches. I appreciate, uh, that you're listening to the show and best of luck to you with all your improv efforts. All right, well, that will do it for uh, today. We'll be back on Monday with Pursuit, and then join us back here next Saturday for another episode, or two episodes, of Police Headquarters. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, Radio Detectives, and to become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.